Faced with challenges in life, we can be tempted to develop a chicken little complex. The sky is falling. Now, I don't know about the youngest ones. Perhaps that story is not told anymore. And that same kind of story does appear in other forms, like the boy who was charged with watching over the sheep who falsely cried wolf. When it comes to discussions about money, we sometimes create a sense of panic to gain attention, to create motivation, or just to draw other people into our anxieties. You know, we see that in the world of politics, and we see it in the social media world, but we've been guilty of it in the church as well. We say things like, we've never faced a challenge this difficult. We've never needed our members to do more than right now. But I challenge you to ask the folks who've served on stewardship committees and fundraising campaigns in the past if now is worse than other times. Oh, I know there are unique challenges to stewardship these days. There always are. But this task of balancing the money that we receive in donations against money spent, of encouraging sacrificial giving while respecting the struggles that folks are going through, of pushing to try new mission endeavors while we try to maintain the current ministries. That has never been easy in the church. Chicken Little will tell us the sky has always been falling. And Peter is more than willing to tell us that the wolves have always been prowling around the sheep. We can always think of reasons for the current challenge we face. You know, we can talk about aging church populations, declining income levels. We can talk about maybe how we failed to teach generosity properly. And all those things can, and they do contribute to budget challenges. But I think there's also something fundamental in the way the church is supposed to work that causes these kinds of challenges. You see, we are called in the church to do something very amazing, very different than perhaps many other places in the world. We've been invited by God to dream the impossible. We're asked to read those passages like Isaiah 11 and then begin dreaming for this impossible future where peace and justice are possible. And where mortal enemies have come to love and respect one another. We're asked to begin building this kind of community right here in our midst. And then we're expected to let that community of love spill out into the world. If we dream the impossible and if we follow that dream, it pushes us beyond budget limits and beyond the walls of our building And that kind of dreaming will always bring us to a place where there doesn't seem to be enough energy or time or money. And that doesn't mean it can't become a reality, but it does mean we'll need help from God. And we'll need to learn about an important theological concept called 
hope. We use the word casually so often in conversation. I hope to see you tomorrow. I hope I'm getting a new gaming system for Christmas. I hope Grandma makes her pumpkin pie this Thanksgiving. But hope in the biblical sense is a much stronger and a much deeper word. Hope is the light that shines in the darkest night. Hope is the certainty that stands firm even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Just how important is hope to us as Christians? Well, it is, according to Paul, one of the three basics of our relationship with God. These three abide, faith, hope, and love. I began this service with a biblical quote. For I know that my Redeemer lives. First blush, we might be tempted to think that that's a New Testament verse, but it is not. The verse comes from Job. Job lost everything, everything imaginable, and yet he remained faithful. This is just a, a little bit more of that reading from Job 19. Job citing his situation. He has put my family far from me, and my acquaintances are wholly estranged from me. My relatives, my close friends have failed me. The guests in my house have forgotten me. My serving girls count me as a stranger. I've become an alien in their eyes. I call to my servant, but he gives me no answer. I must myself plead with him. My breath is repulsive to my wife. I am loathsome to my own family. Even young children despise me. When I rise, they talk against me. All my intimate friends abhor me, and those who I am loved have turned against me. My bones cling to my skin and to my flesh, and I have escaped by the skin of my teeth. Have pity on me, have pity. Pity on me, O oh, you, my friends, for the hand of God has touched me. Why do you, like God, pursue me, never satisfied with my flesh? Oh, that my words were written down. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with iron pen and with lead they were engraved on a rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives and that at last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, then in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see on my side, and my, old, my eyes shall behold, and not another. The writer of the book of Job wants us to wrestle with the very challenging question, why do the righteous suffer? It's not that Job is being portrayed as perfect. He has his flaws, but Job stayed faithful. What response can the faithful have when challenges arise, when suffering comes? Job faced the loss of multiple family members, financial ruin, the loss of his health, the loss of confidence by the family that remained and by his friends. He lost it all at once. In suffering, Job shows what it means to hope. 
Hope, you see, is not based on the strength of the one who is hoping. And hope is not, it is not a foolish belief that everything will turn out okay. Hope is based on the character of the one in whom we place our hope. Hope remains even in the darkest moments of life because the faithful person understands that God, that above all, God can be counted on to remain true to whom God is. And that is why we can dream the impossible. Because God has promised that this future will come. We hope because God is the one in whom we trust. And so year after year, the church always dreams big and audaciously asks members and friends to step up and make possible the future to which God is calling us. Stewardship is a season in which we get to show that we know, we know how to hope. That hope invites each of us to answer God's amazing call to create this incredible future. And, you know, it's not an invitation just to something brand new. It's an invitation to continue the work we already are doing here. We welcome. That's one of the things we do very well. We open our doors to a wide variety of groups, many of whom pay for nothing to use our facility. That includes things like meetings by the National Alliance on Mental Illness, a local chapter meets in our library. The Girl Scouts use Fellowship Hall each week. AA is in our resource room twice a week. They just had a large meeting here yesterday, a big breakfast gathering. The Behavioral Health Board conducts mental health first aid classes, and they're also going to be conducting a class here in 2020 for friends and families of those with those kind of challenging issues. The Seventh-day Adventists continue to worship in our chapel and have fellowship time there as well. You know, many prophetic visions from the Old Testament and from the New use the imagery of the garden. Our memorial garden is a beautiful space that foreshadows the coming new world while providing a healing place for our members, for friends, for our neighbors. We welcome. We feed, too. We feed people in the community. We feed them at the community meal once a month. We feed them with fundraisers like the, for our food pantry and Harvest of Hope in town. We feed people on Election Day and on Super Bowl Sunday and on Shepherding Sundays. We collect food for the food pantry. GoPax grew up in our church and feeds children throughout our city school system. We teach. We teach young minds. We support the Career Center through toolkit purchases and assistance to children who are having some very challenging moments. We tutor elementary school children each week, and we welcome back our middle school scholars who found this place is safe and welcoming them and a place they can learn how to cope with life. We teach our own members and friends as well through Sunday school classes for adults, children, and youth, youth groups, parent groups, Advent and Lenten devotionals. We make music. We make such wonderful music in this place. We're blessed to hear it each week and consider 
all that we have here that makes it possible, the talented choir members and gifted scholars from our colleges and dedicated bell members and creative musicians who play instruments, the women of joyful hearts who bring us those wonderful strains of gospel songs, children and youth who stir our hearts. We have five pianos in our facility right now. I believe that number's right. That's incredible to consider what we've got been blessed with. We have a beautiful organ and a wonderful organ down in our chapel as well. And music, that does so much more than entertain. You know, one of the parts of the vision that I love from Revelation is the great choir that sings the praise of God and of the Lamb. Music lifts hearts. It heals wounds. It stirs us to courage. It unites us in love. It moves into the deep parts of our psyche and reaches into places we didn't even know existed. And you know, God is not done with us. God has so much more we can do. The deacons are looking at creative ways to help more people in our community with a grant mechanism. Our Evangelism and Discipleship Commission has been considering ways we can invite our neighborhood Folks in here, we've got a lot of members who live right around the church. What if they came here and what if they brought their friends here who live here and we talked about ways we can help this neighborhood? And our Worship and Music Commission is thinking about ways we might be able to share some of our musical gifts free with the community to touch more lives. We're not just invited by the Stewardship Commission to step up and give more for the future. We're invited by God to place our hope in the plans that God has for us here. Take a step forward into that future. Give generously. Give audaciously. Give sacrificially. Dream the impossible. And trust God to lead us there. Amen.